You're listening to Drive Time Devotionals, a podcast to help you remain in Christ, faithful and true. Hey, I'm Bill Simpson. It's my privilege to bring you these 10-minute teachings from the Scriptures. These episodes are based largely on my book, How to Ask God for What He Wants to Give You, and you can pick up a copy at Amazon or any online book retailer. We are continuing in what is called the Lord's Prayer, but we now know it is not the Lord's Prayer at all. It's more accurately called the Follower's Prayer Outline. So far, we have learned the first three parts of the outline, our Father, your kingdom, our needs, and now we're ready for the fourth part, confess and forgive. Listen again to the prayer outline. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The power of confessing your sins to God can't be overemphasized. Can you remember when you were a child and had to confess your guilt to your parents? Can you remember how you felt before you confessed? Do you remember how the guilt made you feel awful? Confessing that you were the one responsible set you free to experience the discipline you deserved. You didn't want the spanking or being imprisoned in your room, but it was worth it just to be free from the guilt. You need to confess all of your sins specifically in order to gain victory over them. You can't begin to conquer a short temper until you acknowledge that you have a short temper. Jealousy will continue to dog you until you begin to confess to your father every time you feel jealous. That's just the way life works in the kingdom. Confessing is the reality of looking within your heart and acknowledging the truth about how you act and feel. It's the act of coming clean with God and accepting the ugliness in you that he wants to help you overcome. So ask yourself a soul-penetrating question. Why don't I confess my sins to God more frequently and more specifically? Jesus added this part to our prayer outline because he knows how beneficial it will be for every one of his followers. He also knows that a powerful way to minimize pride and overconfidence in ourselves is to regularly tell the Father how we've messed up. And don't ever forget that we need to confess both kinds of sins, omission and commission. We usually know when we've done wrong. Those are the sins of commission. Equally sinful to God, though, are the times when we fail to do what is right. We fail to love, forgive, encourage, or serve someone in the realm of our influence. Those are the sins of omission. It's critically important to confess both kinds of sins. The temptation in this area of prayer is to use a wide brushstroke and generalize your failures. God, forgive me for coveting. Do you think that's what your Heavenly Father really wants to hear? Did your mother want to hear it that way? Like, Mom, sorry for disobeying you. Or did she want to hear you say, Mom, I'm sorry that I didn't clean up my room. Please forgive me. You get the point. Let's consider again the words of the old Apostle John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember, John wrote his letters when he was a very old man, probably 30 years after all the other letters of the New Testament had been written and circulated. John knew personally the power of confessing his sins and how it cleansed his soul from the pain of personal guilt. 
John was writing about our personal relationship with the Father and how not confessing our sins hinders that intimacy. We all know this reality and have likely experienced it many times in our personal lives. Everyone who is married definitely knows firsthand how personal hurts fracture the marriage relationship. Our temptation is to get slack, lazy, or just too busy. We don't really want to think about all of our failures, so we tend to not bring them up when we're praying. Jesus is reminding us in this prayer outline that we must take the time to keep short accounts with our Father who knows all our secrets. Why would you even pretend to keep secrets from Him? And the most powerful reality of confessing your sins regularly to God is how it will change your perspective towards others. The sins that they commit against you will diminish the more you honestly acknowledge your sins against God. As you look within and acknowledge all of your sins against the Father, your perspective will be changed. Think of someone who has wronged you. What did they do or not do? How did it make you feel? Are you having trouble forgiving them, either in your heart or to them personally? Now ask yourself, how many times have you committed a similar sin against God? You simply have no reason why you can't forgive the other person's sin against you. None. Jesus was obviously very intentional with his words. He told us to confess our sins using the normal word for sins. But did you catch the word Jesus used to describe when we forgive others? He said, debts. Jesus taught us to pray and ask the Father to forgive our sins in the same way that we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The word means to owe money, unless it's used as a metaphor, like Jesus used it here. Who owes you something? I can think of lots of people who I believe owe me an apology, or they owe me a response like an email or a text or a phone call. Others owe me more respect, and still others owe me their gratitude. What do people owe you? How big is their indebtedness? These debts are real and can be very hurtful. People really do owe us. The huge question is, are we entitled to collect? Ever? One time Peter asked Jesus how often he should forgive his brother who sinned against him. The standard answer in those days was seven times. But Jesus answered Peter by telling him he should forgive his brother seventy-sevens. Jesus didn't mean Peter needed to keep count until he reached 490. Jesus meant that forgiveness is without limits. Then he told one of the most profound parables that you'll ever hear. Now, I can't take time to read Matthew 18, 23 through 35, but check it out on your own. Jesus told a story about a servant who owed his master, who was the king, a crazy exorbitant amount of money. If we do the math, it would be equal to $9 billion today. But the servant begged for forgiveness, and the king astoundingly forgave the debt because he had pity on the man. Yes, the servant vowed to repay the king, but they both knew full well that repayment was absolutely impossible. When the servant was released from the debt, he apparently went straight to another servant who owed him money and demanded repayment. That debt was equivalent for us today to about $17,000. That's a lot of money. And anyone listening to Jesus would have thought, that's a lot of money. If someone owes you seventeen grand, you are definitely going to do all you can to collect it, just like the servant in the story. 
but not if you've just been forgiven a debt of over $9 billion. The comparative ratio is well over 500,000 to 1. Maybe someone has done something really bad to you, and if you could put it into dollars, it might well be worth $17,000. No matter the crime, Jesus tells us to forgive and keep forgiving. There is no limit to forgiving others. It's 70 sevens. What's the basis for forgiveness? God has forgiven you of your astronomical debt. It was a debt that you had no chance of ever repaying or even making a dent in it. What you owed God was so beyond your ability to repay that the only way for you to be forgiven was through His mercy. Without question, God expects everyone who has received His immeasurable mercy to extend a similar mercy to everyone else. As you look into your own heart and consider the past 24 hours, you may discover that you have failed God numerous times. But you don't have to wallow in your guilt and remorse. Confess each time you failed Him, even if it's the same sin you keep repeating every day. Confess and believe that your relationship with the Father is fully restored if you have also forgiven the record of debts owed to you. Now, it's hard work. It takes deep honesty to admit that you have not truly forgiven someone. And often you have to continue to forgive that person over and over in your heart before God. But you can do it with his help. And as you pray and confess your sins, don't hesitate to ask his help to strengthen you to forgive all of those people who owe you anything. Realize that those who you must forgive probably don't deserve it. In Jesus' story, neither servant deserved forgiveness, and neither do you. We can only forgive on the basis of God's forgiveness. You give someone mercy because God always gives you mercy. Your forgiveness isn't so much about your relationship with that other person as it is about your relationship with God the Almighty. Forgive them because Jesus wants you to forgive them. Wipe away their debt to you because this gives your Father in the heavens great pleasure. Forgiveness comes as we turn our focus on God and how He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us mercy and grace, and we are commanded to do the same. In Christ, you've received $9 billion in mercy and grace to your account. There's plenty there to give out to everyone who owes you a little something. So confess and forgive. Until next time, keep driving like Jesus, and may His grace be with you.